section six of the rover volume one number twenty two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number twenty two edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section six the attacked escort a spanish scene in eighteen ten i was in the french service and ordered with my regiment to bayonne frequent convoys were sent forward into spain sufficiently numerous to keep off the guerrillas and to one of those i was attached on its way to andalusia our convoy was strong a corps of infantry dragoons and artillery escorting a long train of wagons with stores our march was through a fine part of the country and in the finest season of the year the close of spring we proceeded slowly and had full leisure to enjoy the landscape the spanish spring realizes all those ideas of beauty those skies of cloudless blue and splendid sunshine those blossomed fields and light and delicious airs that in other lands are scarcely more than the language of poetry the convoy moved with the usual military precautions though it was too strong to be liable to a guerrilla attack we could not however prevent desultory skirmishes in the defiles by which we lost some men even this in some degree added to the interest of our march on the first report of a musket the column closed our mountain voldigers and light infantry were sent up the hills to turn the flank of the spaniards and apart from the loss of lives the scene was often in the highest degree striking and picturesque in this mode we passed on till we reached the sierra morena there the badness of the roads which had been neglected from the commencement of the war broke a considerable number of our wagons and as we had now reached a country completely in the power of our troops the officer in command thought it better to move forward with the main body than linger for their repair some hundred men were left behind to escort them with orders to follow to a town three marches off which was to be the headquarters of the convoy i had been taken ill and remained with the wagons the delay however was trifling and in twenty-four hours we were on the road again unluckily the commandant of the escort in order to make up for our lost time took it into his head to move by a narrow forest road instead of that through the open country which made a circuit of some extent i observed to him the hazard of this route he gave me civilly to understand that i was not then at the head of my regiment i said no more and we plunged into the forest for some time all went on well but the forest grew thicker the road narrower and more broken and at last a grove of oaks brought us almost to a stop we here found our advanced dragoons who waited for the column that they might not be entangled alone in the grove we had scarcely worked ourselves a dozen yards among the trunks and cops when an advanced sharpshooter fired and in a moment after we saw men with muskets in their hands running round us 
their numbers increased rapidly and we soon had them in every direction front flanks and rear our commandant had now found out his mistake and had nothing to do but to get out of it as well as he could the column had halted at once the infantry were posted at its head and in the rear of the wagons the sharpshooters formed line on each side from front to rear and the dragoons were pushed into the wood on both sides of the road at twenty paces off to act as skirmishers the fire had already begun and the enemy had all the advantage he might single us out as he pleased while we might take our revenge by firing at the trees we saw some of our dragoons tumble from their horses while others galloped back to us wounded platoons of infantry were advanced to support them and they soon began to feel the effects of the fire our next experiment was to send thirty dragoons to cut down everything before them they charged gallantly but they could not cut down oaks and elms of a hundred years growth and in a few minutes we saw about one-half of the troop gallop back again followed by a shout and a shower of balls we were now situated awkwardly enough and in fact had nothing for it but fighting the commandant was a good officer though he had entered the wood and the soldiers fired desperately we made our way losing men continually till we got on until we came to an abati of trees in the very heart of the forest here we fought for life and death the enemy though only peasants were bold in capital shots and it was not till after an hour of despair and carnage that we broke through the barrier wound our way through the forest and saw the light of heaven this cost us nearly all our wagons two-thirds of our escort the commandant a severe wound in the knee and me a ball in the shoulder this was an unlucky affair and it left us all in ill humour we moved on determined to try no more short cuts and about half a league further saw another grove we all shrank at the sight but above the trees we saw at a turning of the road the chimneys of a chateau this of course would afford quarters for the officers and hospital for the wounded and plunder for the rest i now remonstrated on the necessity of losing no more time but the commandant's wound had made him outrageous and the sight of spanish property was not easily resisted among our troops at that period so it was determined to try what was inside of the chateau we left the few carriages that remained to us in the road and sent our sharpshooters up the grand avenue a stately range of oaks there was not a soul to be seen in the house the windows were closed and but that the dogs barked fiercely we should have thought that the whole had been visited by the plague the soldiers hammered the great door with the butt-ends of their muskets flung stones at the windows and at last began to fire at the shutters all was useless at length as we were beginning to lay faggots against the door a small window was opened and a man's voice inquired what we wanted one of our officers who had served in spain answered that we wanted to get in and to have some refreshment and rest the voice replied and bade us go to a farmhouse in sight where we should find provisions no said the officer that is not enough open the door or we will get in in spite of you you shall not get in said the voice we have force enough to defend ourselves retire at your peril this defiance put the troops in a rage they looked on it as an insolent challenge and while some of them prepared to scale the windows others ran off to bring up our guns to burst open the door the commandant however would not allow them to be used in the fear of bringing the guerrillas upon him again at length they broke open the door with the levers of the guns 
as it fell in a line of fifty men drawn up in the court within fired a volley that knocked down one half of those in front the rest fell back for a moment but the whole corps now rushed on and filled the court before the spaniards had time to reload a few of them were killed on the spot but the greater part made good their retreat into the chateau and from that into the grounds where our soldiers as soon as they saw the rich furniture of the rooms did not think it worth their while to follow them i was extremely grieved at this whole affair and indignant and pained as i was at so much unnecessary evil i was led partly by curiosity and partly by a wish to be of what service i could to the unfortunate people of the house to enter the court and see what was going forward at this time the first attack was over and the soldiers had gained possession of the apartments above but there was still a scene going on that i shall never forget some of the spaniards had either been unable or disdained to retreat and at the further end of the court against the wall of a chapel stood six or seven men who seemed determined to die they had made a little breastwork of some loose wood and from behind this they kept up a regular discharge i remarked among them a very noble-looking man in an embroidered cloak who appeared to be their master and beside him a boy of fifteen or sixteen who cried out continually kill kill the french this lasted a few minutes and we lost some men at every discharge till at last our soldiers infuriated at this defence by a handful of servants rushed forward seven or eight took aim together at the master and fired i saw the boy fall at the moment the master staggered a few paces back and then advancing flung himself beside the body the servants at this sight lost courage threw away their arms and springing upon the pieces of wood climbed over the wall and made their escape through the gardens our soldiers offering them no interruption as the resistance was fairly at an end and they were anxious only to share the plunder with their comrades in the chateau my servant and i were now the only persons in the court and i was so much shocked and disgusted with the whole scene of rapine and cruelty that i did not know whether to advance or retire i saw the court covered with dead and felt the natural shudder of every man not altogether hardened at beholding death in such a shape while the ear was filled with the shoutings a riot of plunder above but as i gave a last look to the spot where those gallant and unfortunate spaniards had made their last stand i thought i saw a hand waved from among the corpses i immediately went up to them the first face that i saw was the boy's it was turned upward and pale as it was i think i never saw one so handsome it still retained a slight expression of disdain which gave a kind of loftiness to its extreme beauty and reminded me even in that moment of the belvedere apollo but he was totally dead it was natural to feel something at such a sight i continued almost involuntarily gazing on the face till i was roused by seeing the figure at his side raised itself slowly from the ground and sitting up looked me in the face saying in a low tone barbarians is not this enough i absolutely felt as if an apparition had risen before me the hollow voice the large eyes nearly glazed and yet haughty and threatening absolutely checked my breath however i made some steps toward the wounded man in the idea of offering him assistance he evidently misconceived me and turning himself round with pain clasped his arms over the boy kissed his lips two or three times and then looking up at me seemed to await the mortal blow i was doubly shocked at this and i believe a tear stole into my eye i told him in spanish that he was wrong in taking me for one of his murderers that i was deeply grieved at all i saw and that if i could not help those round him i might be of some service at least to himself he fixed his eyes on me and said you are a frenchman and yet can feel 
it was no time to enter into explanation i merely replied i wished to take him from that place and desired to know where my servant and i should carry him to shelter it is too late i am dying if it were otherwise i should not and he looked at his son's corpse at this moment be so calm i still entreated him well then said he if you will do me this last kindness have me carried into the chapel where my place has long been prepared i raised him by the knees my servant put his hands under his head and in this way we carried him gently toward the chapel it was then that i first saw that he was mortally wounded the door of the chapel was open and there we laid down our melancholy burden under all the depression of the moment i could not help being struck with admiration as i glanced round the altar columns steps were all of the finest marble and the most exquisite sculpture but the most striking object was a monument of carrara marble in the centre it was a dome on four pillars under which was a female figure lying on its side with the head resting on the arm as in deep sleep the face and form were of exquisite loveliness at the four corners of the monument were four large wax tapers burning and a large black pall which appeared to have been covering the figure lay beside it on the ground the wounded gentleman was evidently exhausted by his last effort i spoke to him but he was unable to answer as his oval countenance gradually assumed the calmness of death i never saw anything nobler he could not be more than between forty and fifty the large black eye the arched brow the cheek slightly tinged with emotion the mouth moved with a faint smile which seemed to say that all human efforts were hopeless and that yet he thanked me all made up such a face as we see in the pictures of titian or da vinci it was the spanish countenance in all its grandeur and all its melancholy i gave him some wine and water from my servant's canteen and after an effort he said in a dying tone sir i had once a wife an admirable creature heaven took her from me in the most unfortunate and painful manner she was worthy of heaven she died five years ago i built this tomb for us both lay me beside her i could not speak he pressed my hand and said again sir i thank you for your feelings if you will let me make one more request it shall be my last bring the body of my boy that i may look upon him once more and die with him beside me i shrank at this the place was now entirely silent the soldiers had either gone away or were busy in the remote parts of the chateau there was nothing round me but graves and death i felt an involuntary horror at going into the court where i should see but bleeding bodies i will own that i felt a dimness come over my eyes and shook like a woman the noble spaniard would urge me no farther he sat up lifted his clasped hands and fixed his eyes on heaven and after a struggle obviously of inward prayer sank back on the ground with a sigh which made me think that all was over this awoke me i went out and with my servant whom i found at the door brought in the body of the boy and placed it by his father's side while i was gazing on them as they lay together in their sad beauty i saw the curtain of the altar rise slowly and from under it peep an old man who looked round him in great terror i called to him to come forward and promised him safety he was an old servant of the family and on seeing the bodies he was in an agony of grief flung himself on them tore his white hair and cursed as well he might their murderers as he clasped his master's hand i saw the eyes open they were turned upon the boy's countenance then on me i heard the lips whisper god bless the hand that brought us together then laying his arm round the boy's neck and pressing his lips to his cheek the spirit departed with a deep sigh the old servant and i knelt beside them and i believe wept together after a while we heard the soldiers returning we rose and covered the bodies with the pall from the tomb the chapel was now nearly dark and the soldiers came in with lighted torches they asked what was under the pall and on being told turned away with looks and gestures of genuine regret they did not even look at the servant who stood close to me expecting to be put to death notwithstanding my assurances of safety 
the drums now beat the plunder was gathered into the court cars and wagons from the stables were loaded with the rich movables of the mansion i waited until all were on the march then giving some money to the old man and bidding him call the fugitive domestics to do the last honours to his masters i walked with a melancholy heart through the deserted court and followed the troops from the first rising ground i looked back upon the chateau the moon was touching its towers and when i thought of what was below i formed my fixed resolution of being a soldier no more End of section six